Ezekiel. Ezekiel. The book of Ezekiel. The book of Ezekiel. Yeah, that's the one with the wheel. <laughs> the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 1. Ezekiel chapter 1. It is after Lamentations, and it is before the book of Daniel. The book of Ezekiel. I'm going to be reading the, from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 1. The book of Ezekiel, chapter 1, and the verse I'm going to be reading is verse 16. Ezekiel, chapter 1, verse 16. I still hear pages turning, so I will wait. If your neighbor having trouble finding it, just help them out. So we all can be on one accord, amen? Amen. And don't be bashful if you can't find it, just ask somebody. Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 16. And it reads this. The appearance of the wheels and their work was like unto the color of beryl, and they four had one likeness. And their appearance and their work was as it were a wheel in the middle of a wheel. Amen. Amen. The title of this message will be A Wheel in the Middle of a Wheel. A Wheel in the Middle of a Wheel. The subtitle will be Lessons from Cherubims. Lessons from Cherubims. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you will, that the Holy Spirit work as you get your holy word across to your people. Lord, I ask that you would build up broken hearts, Lord, that you would give beauty for ashes, uh, the garment of praise for the garment of sorrow, Lord, for you know what your people need. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 For Ezekiel's sake, for I saw a wheel in the middle of a wheel. Verse 1, it says that I was amongst the captives. I was amongst the captives. Let me wait as, as people find their seats. Amen. We don't want everyone. You don't, you don't want to miss anything because you never know what you may need. Amen. <laughs> I was amongst the captives. I was amongst the captives. I, who was speaking of, is Ezekiel the priest. The captives that is speaking of is the people of Israel. Now, the people of Israel went into captivity in 722 B.C. And again, in 580, they also went into captivity in 586 B.C. Now, 
Ezekiel found himself amongst the captives. Now, why is Israel in captivity? Don't you know in life you have good choices and you have bad choices? And don't you know the choices that you make have consequences? Now, Israel find themselves in captivity based on the choices they have made. And, and now they have to deal with the consequence, 70 years in captivity. Right. Now, 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 when we get into trouble and we have to deal with the consequences, don't blame God. We need to be man enough to say, well, it's a choice that I made. I made the decision, and I must deal with the consequence. So they have to deal with the consequence. Now, I hear someone saying, well, did not Jesus pay for the penalty of sin? Well, that's correct. Jesus paid for the penalty of sin. But keep in mind, the penalty of sin is death. And Jesus paid that on the cross. So the penalty of sin is singular, but the consequences of sin are plural. Because keep in mind, different sins have different consequences. So we know unprotected sex. We know the consequences of that. You can get an STD. Now, if that should happen, God can forgive the sin, but I still must deal with the consequence. So we need to deal with the consequences of our choices. So, 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 so keep in mind, Ezekiel. Ezekiel, verse 3, says he was a priest. He was a priest. Ezekiel was a priest, but still he finds himself in, a, in captivity. Now, I want to, let's make a note. Your sin not only affect you, but your sin also affect the people around you. Now, don't, don't say what you do ain't none of my business, because if what you're doing is going to make us look bad as a body, then it's my business. If what you're doing is going to bring a consequence on me, then it's my business. You see, that's why kids don't be telling your parents what, I, what you do is none of your business. Because if you mess around and have a baby, who's going to be taking care of that baby? You ain't old enough to work. Mama and daddy going to have to take care of that baby. So, 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 so he says that, that, that he was amongst the captivity, and he was by the river of Shabar. And by the river of Shabar, he said the heavens were open, and he saw visions. He saw visions. Now, look, he, he, he saw these visions, and what he saw, let me slow it down. I'm, I may be going too fast. He saw these visions, and what he saw were angels. He saw angels. Now, keep in mind, he's in distress. And don't you know, sometimes when, we, when we're in our distress, it's the same times where we can see our greatest blessings. He's in distress, but he looks to the hills from which cometh him's help, knowing his help coming from the Lord. And as he looks up, he sees angels. Now, I see a pattern here. When folks is in distress, they usually have their greatest blessings. We see this with, we see this with Isaiah. Isaiah, in the year that King Uzziah died, <laughs> Isaiah was in distress. But it was also in that same year where he would see angels. For he say, for in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne and above, and his train filled the temple. Above the train stood the seraphim. So he saw angels in the midst of his distress. Another person, we see Jacob. Jacob is in distress because he's running from Esau. And Esau is not in a good mood. Have you ever ran from someone that didn't want to talk? Esau went about talking it out. So he's running from Esau, and he likens them to a place. And keep in mind that the sun is set, 
The sun is going down. It's getting dark. And keep in mind that the foxes are going into their holes. The birds are going into their nests. But he began to realize that he has no place to lay his head. <laughs> Similar to what Jesus says, for the foxes have holes, the birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So, so th- he's really in distress now. So what he would do is he'll take a, some stones. He'll take some stones and he will lay his head upon a stone. You see, he's in distress. But as he's laying there in distress, he begins to sleep and he began to have a dream. Now, this is a famous dream, because later this dream will be entitled Jacob's Ladder. We know the song, for we are climbing Jacob's Ladder. Every round goes higher and higher. So, so he's sitting there, and he has a dream, and he sees the ladder. The ladder is only one. It's only one ladder, and it's really symbolic of Jesus Christ, for Jesus Christ will tell his disciples, you're going to see the angels descending and ascending upon the Son of Man. So it's only one ladder. And I just want to like to take a pause to say that there's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus. There's, on, there's no other way. There's only one ladder. Don't try to make your own way, because there's only one way. And there's only one mediator between God and man. There's only one ladder. So the angels are descending and ascending upon the ladder. And really what they're doing is they're doing the Lord's bidding. You see, sometimes they go up and see what the Lord has to say. And they go down and begin to do the work again. And that's what we should be doing. We should be going down doing the work. After we're done with the work, we need to go back up and see what the Lord has to say. Sometimes we stay down working too long. And we ain't going back up and seeing what the Lord has to say. <laughs> Vice versa, sometimes we up here too long. The Lord says, stop praying. You need to go down here and do some work. <laughs> Jesus was also in distress. 40 days and 40 nights being tempted by the devil. He was in distress. He's been tempted three times, and he's in the wilderness. But in the moments of your distress, Jesus will see an angel. An angel will come down and minister to him in the midst of his distress. And if you're in distress today, I want to let you know that you're really in a good place because <laughs> you're in a place to see angels. Amen? Amen? So, so, so they've seen all. the greatest blessing is in the times of our distress. But Ezekiel said, I was by the river of Shabar. Now, why would he mention the river of Shabar? Have you, have you ever been so blessed that you just want to look for a place of reference? <laughs> he was blessed in such a way he just want to look for a place of reference. And he said, I was by the river of Shabar. So I looked up Shabar. And you know what I found? I found nothing. The only one that even mentions the river of Shabar is Ezekiel. <laughs> but he mentions it eight times. Now, I want to make a point here that the river of Shabar was a common river. It wasn't a great river. It wasn't the Tigris River or the Euphrates River. That's a great river. It wasn't a famous river like the River Jordan or the Nile River. Those are famous rivers. But the river of Shabar, no one knows. The only one that knows it is Ezekiel. It's just a common river. And I'm here to tell you, the Lord don't need to bless you. The Lord don't need a famous person to bless you. 
The Lord don't need a great person to bless you. The Lord can bless you through a common person. You see, have you ever, someone ever been special to you? And the Lord used them to bless your life in such a way? And nobody else really knows their name. Nobody else really knows what they are. But that's okay because they mean a lot to me. And sometimes you need to go back and tell folks. It may not have been much, but you meant a lot to me. Nobody else may never know your name, but I always remember your name. Because the Lord used you to change my life. Uh, Let me move back to my text. Verse 4. As he looked, he seen a whirlwind coming out of the north. He took, he, 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 he saw a whirlwind coming out of the north. Now, you never know what direction the Lord want to bless you. But keep in mind, this is not a favorable direction. For Israel, this is not a favorable direction. Because those Chaldeans, who are the Babylonians, they came from the north. So they really dreaded the north. But don't you know the Lord can bless you in the same direction that seemed to be unfavorable towards you? The same direction that gave you hurt, the Lord can bless you. The same job that laid you off, the Lord can use to bless you when they call you back again. The Lord can bless you in the same direction. The same, the very ones that hurt you will come back and bless you. So, so, so verse 5, verse 5, it says that... Um, Ezekiel said, I saw living creatures. I saw living creatures, and we know those creatures to be angels, and we know those creatures to be cherubims. So today with this discourse, what I want us to do, I want us to uh, uh, learn lessons from the angels, learn lessons from the cherubims. But it, because why, and, and let's keep in mind, the, you won't see the word cherubim in Ezekiel chapter 1. It's chapter 10 where he tells us their names, their cherubims. But we can learn lessons from them. But someone say, well, how can we learn lessons for, from angels? Don't, don't you know that in heaven, God's will is done perfectly? God's will is done perfectly. You know, the choir may miss a note, but the angels, they don't miss a note. They've been singing perfect harm, four-part harmony. In eternity, they don't miss a note. You see, in here it can be discord, but in heaven there is no discord. God's will is done perfectly. There's such a model that the Lord, will, that Jesus will put them in the Lord's prayer. He'll say, "Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven." Even Ezekiel will go on to say, "Show the house to the house." In other words, look at the house down here and look at the house up there and it may not match because they lost the pattern. And I hate to say sometimes when we look around the church, we lost the pattern. People coming in here doing whatever they want to do like it's their house. But I'm here to tell you, it really ain't your house. I'm on fire today. I do. (laughs) You got to get something off my chest. Coming up in here like it's your house. It ain't your house. When I last read, the Bible said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Take your time this morning. It's the Lord's house. Can't come in here doing whatever you want to. 
You don't run this. <laughs> the God runs this. Let me, con- let me take a deep breath. Okay, with the cherubims, some calm now. Y'all calm? <laughs> I'm calm. <laughs> with, this, let's, with the cherubims, let us consider three things. Let us first consider the perfection of their design. The perfection of their design. Secondly, let us consider uh, the fu- how they function together. How they function together. And thirdly, let us consider the operation of their work. The operation of their work. We calm? Okay, I'll, go, I'll start teaching now. Okay. Okay, um, the perfection of their design. The cherubims were designed um, in a certain way. They were designed, they're very, they're very complex, but they were, they were designed. Uh, they, 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 they had uh, four wings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and on their verse 10, it says their faces, they, they had four faces. They had the face of an ox, the face of an eagle, the face of a man, and um, what's the last one? The face of a lion. So they had four faces. It says that their feet were straight, and the sole of their feet were as calf feet. So, so they're very complex creatures. Now, my first point I want to make is that they're one race, but they're distinct classes. Oh, okay, let me teach you. Now, now the angels are race. They are a race, but they have distinct classes. For there is the archangel, there, there's the archangel, which has a higher rank. There are cherubims, which have four wings. And there are also seraphims, which have six wings. Now, um, Ezekiel and Isaiah did not see the same angel. For Ezekiel saw the cherubim. Seraphim, I mean, Ezekiel saw the cherubim while Isaiah saw the seraphim. They are distinct. What makes them distinct is their design. For the cherubim has four wings. And for the seraphim has six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his body, and with two he did fly. So you may not have seen his face, but the cherubims, you've seen the face. Only four wings. So, so they had a design. And so in heaven, you don't see cherubims trying to be seraphims, and you don't see seraphims trying to be cherubims. Because they all know their design. You know I'm going, Reverend Burke? <laughs> Let me hit it on. Let me hit it on. Within the human race, similar to the angels, just as they're one race, we're also one race. We are all human. But yet, there are two distinct classes. For the Bible says God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he them. Male and female created he them. So we are created male and female. Now, how do we know our identity? Because we have a distinct design. Rather you male or female, 
It's not subjective. If you have a genitalia, you're a male. If you have the other thing, you're a woman. <laughs> wait, 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 even better. Let me word it better. Let me word it better. If you have a genitalia, you're a male. If you don't have a genitalia, you're not a man. <laughs> Let's fix it up. I don't know, I'm sure. I'm not good with my anatomy words. I got to forgive me. But you, you have to, it's a distinct design. Two distinct classes. So in heaven, you don't see seraphim trying to be cherubims. So down here, you shouldn't be seeing men, men trying to be women. You shouldn't see men trying to be women, and you shouldn't see women trying to be men. So if you ask me why your voice so deep, because God made my voice deep. And I'm not talking soft. So you know how I, I walk like a man. You know how I walk at work? I walk like this at work. That's how I walk. That's how I walk. Why you walk like that? I'm a man. I'm a man. It's like God designed me to be. Let me move on to the next point. Let me move on to the next point. <laughs> oh man, y'all got that point. I'm moving on. You stay on that point too long. They have you on CNN saying the preacher saying this, saying that, play the recorder. But you know what? Yeah, I said it. Sometimes we need the preacher to stand up and say, Yeah, I said it. I ain't apologizing for nothing. If you don't like what I say, talk to the pastor about it. If, if you agree with what I'm saying, go talk to the Lord about it. I ain't apologizing for nothing. I'm going to say it again. I'm a man. <laughs> you like that point, Reverend Bird? I'm a man. Okay, okay, that's enough of that. Enough of that. That's enough of that. Let us next, let us next consider the complexity of their design, the complexity of their design. They, they're very complex creatures, a very complex creature to have four faces, to have four wings, to have hands under the, the wings and, and to have their feet straight and have calves feet. That is very complex. And we can learn something from this complexity. Now, what we can learn from this complexity is that, you know, the cherubims didn't just put themselves together. It did not just happen by chance. Their complexity further shows that there was a designer. There was a designer. And don't you, to make this applicable to us, don't you know that our bodies are very complex? Our bodies are very complex. Our bodies are more complex than a car. So, so to think we just came together, you know, um, I want to make a distinction between possibility and probability. To think we just came together by chance, that's not probable. It's not probable. Though even though even the, the man's and the woman's anatomy designed in such a way, and even the way it just comes together with procreation, it's not probable that it just happened by chance. Not only that, when we look at the world in which we live, 
it's not probable that this order just happened by chance. Don't you know that if, we, if you were living on Mars, you'll freeze to death? And if you were living on Venus, you'll burn to death. How is it that we're just in the right place where we belong? You know? It get kind of hot some days. It get cold some days. But you ain't going to die, you know? <laughs> How can it be? And even the, the day of the cycle matches our sleep pattern. You don't see nobody sleeping for two days. The cycle matches our sleep pattern. Now, that is the work of a designer. But I hear the scientist saying, well, excuse me, preacher. Let me get, do I have an intelligent voice in there? Well, uh, you know, uh, anything is possible. Anything is possible. Well, I got something to say to the scientist. <laughs> you may say anything is possible, but everything is not probable. It's just not probable that things just came together like this. It had to be a work of a creator. But I hear some Christians saying what the Bible says, that all things are possible. But I'm here to tell you, the Bible do not say all things are possible. That's why you got to read your Bible. The Bible does not say all things are possible. The Bible says with God, all things are possible. <laughs> But when you try to take God out of creation, and you try to take God out of our design, it's impossible. Read your Bible. I didn't say it. The Bible said it. Let's move on to our next point. I like this next point. Let us consider the, the functions of their design. I mean, the function of how they work together. The function of how they work together. Okay, I know y'all like the last point. You may not like this one. You know, you may not like this one, but, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and preach it. Verse 9 and uh, verse 12 um, speaks of the function of, function of how they work together. Now, it says this, the first point, their wings were joined one to another. Their wings were joined one to another. So really, they were joined together. In other words, they were touching and agreeing. And I'm going to bring this home. The church can't function if we don't learn to work together. The church can't function if we don't learn to work together. The church can't function if we don't learn to get on one accord. The church can't function if we don't learn to touch and agree. You wonder why we got so much discord in the church. We, you got to get in line. <laughs> we a unit. We, not many, we many members, but we one body. And if you're in this body, you got to learn how to, rest, to, 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 to work with the rest of the body. Say, I'm solo. Then start your own church. <laughs> but if you want to be in the body, you got to learn to work together. The next point is they turn not when they went. Now, I like this point. They, they turn not when they went. Now, this is a tough concept for us to grasp because we turn when we go. If I go here, and if I'm walking over here, I'm going to turn. I'm going to turn. But let me give you an example of what they did. Because they turn not when they went. When they go over here, they, just, they go back here. They go over here. <laughs> they go back over here. You get the point. They turn not when they went. Now, they really didn't need to turn because they have faces on all four sides. <laughs> hey, if I had eyes on the back of my head, I wouldn't turn either. So I'll be preaching like this. 
you know? But so, so, so they turn not when they win. I'm about to bring this home to the church. Oh, if the church wouldn't turn so much. We, we turn too much. One day we stand here on the issue. Next day we stand here on the issue. Next day we stand here on the issue. Next day we stand here on the issue. We turn just way too much. <laughs> when, when are we going to say, I will not be turned? Now, Reverend Stables is going to tell you, if you don't like it, every time I'm up here to preach, you can just leave. <laughs> Reverend Stables is going to tell you where I stand, and I will not be turned. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and I will not turn. I believe that he lived a perfect life, and I will not turn. I believe that he went to Golgotha, and I will not turn. I believe that he died on Calvary, and I will not turn. I believe on the third day that he rose again, and I will not turn. I believe that he ascended unto the Father, and I will not turn. I believe that he's coming back again, and I will not turn. I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes into the Father but through him. And sometimes we like to turn on that because it's so controversial. But I'm here to tell you that I will not turn. <laughs> this is what I believe with the cherubims. I believe that the cherubims, I think you can, um, I think you can, can, can find directions by using a cherubim. You know what I think, why I think that? Because they don't turn. That, that means if the lion's face is pointed north, I know if I just follow the direction of the lion, I'm going north. They don't turn. So, so you can use them as a point of reference. But the church, nowadays, can you really use them for a direction? Because we turn in all the time. <laughs> One church pointed this way, another church pointed this way. When is we just going to be pointed towards the cross? <laughs> Until you're not turning, you can't show the world direction. When you don't turn, you can say, well, I know the way, and I will not turn. For Jesus is the way. <laughs> not that he shows the way, but he is the way. Not that following his example would lead to the way, but Jesus is the way. Let me move on. Let me move on. I like this next point. It says they went, when they, when they let me read it. Verse 9. They went everyone straight forward. <laughs> I like this point. <laughs> they went everyone straight forward. First point from here. The cherubims moved forward. And I'm here to tell you, the church, we got to be a church that's moving forward. Too many times we want to move back. You love Dunbar, I love Dunbar too. I was never there, but I still love him. <laughs> but you got to move on. <laughs> you got to move forward. <laughs> so, so, you got to move forward. We put our hands to the plow, but we're too busy looking back. Just look forward, because you got to go forward. God is always moving. God is never at a standstill. You know, if you're standing by, the world will pass you by, because God is always moving. The church is moving, and we should be moving forward. Amen? 
Amen. Well, we've been doing this this way for 50 years. What up? <laughs> we got to move forward. I've been believing this. Yeah, I'm, yeah, just stick with that. I'm moving on. <laughs> and I like this next point. It said, now, now keep in mind, they moving together. It said when they moved, when they went forward, you know where they went? They went straight. They walk in a straight line. They walk in a straight line. Now, why would they do this? Because if you start going diagonal, you're going to get into somebody else's lane. You, you know why so much discord in the church? We start arguing and we call in pastors for special meetings and he gets another gray hair. <laughs> it's unnecessary. And it all can be avoided. I'm about to help y'all. It all can be avoided if people just stay in their lane. <laughs> it can all be avoided if folks just stay in their lane. You know, if you're an usher, be an usher. Nothing wrong with that. Just be an usher. If you're a deacon, be a deacon. If you're a preacher, be a preacher. If you're a musician, be a musician. If you're in a choir, sing in a choir. But yet, I'm about to make this personal. When I preach, don't be crossing over into my lane. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no. I'm making this person. I'll be crossing over into my lane. You never wrote a sermon? Well, I think you should preach this way. I didn't ask you. Crossing over into my lane. Now, I can take advice from other preachers because we, we all do this together. But if you ain't a preacher, don't be trying to tell me that you should preach like this. Reverend Stavey, you want to only preach that don't hoop, you should hoop more. <laughs> don't tell me how to preach. If I want to teach her, if I want to be a teacher preacher and I feel like God has called me to be a teacher preacher, I'm going to teach. You know, that's, a, that's just an excuse to get excited when you don't even know what the preacher's talking about. Preachers start to hoop and you start clapping. Don't mislead the whole sermon. I saw you. Hey, sleep. How am I going to tell Miss Terry how to play the keyboard when I don't know how to play the keyboard? <laughs> I'm leaving that alone, man. I'm going to tell somebody how to sing in the choir when I can't sing all that well. How am I going to tell an usher how to stand when I don't like standing? <laughs> we need to start moving straight. Stay out of other folks' business. My preaching, that's my business. Have you ever wanted to tell somebody, look, that's my business? Well, what you want you to do there? Now, that's my business. You mind your business, I mind my business. That, that, that's my business. That's my preaching business. 
You may have some deacon business, and I won't be in your deacon business, just stay out of my preaching business. <laughs> you said, be a whole lot less arguing in the church. I've been there for a while, but I had to get that off my chest. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Verse 12, where the spirit was to the cherubims, they moved. Where the spirit was to go, they went. In the church, we need to be spirit-led. You don't say where the church go. I think the choir should sing this song. You don't say what y'all sing. Let the Holy Spirit lead. I think the preacher should preach this. You don't tell me what to preach. <laughs> I'll preach what the Lord laid on my heart. I'll preach what the Spirit laid on my heart to preach. Well, if you don't preach what we want to preach, we'll find another preacher. Go ahead. I never asked y'all to preach. I never, I didn't ask to preach. The church called me. You can find another preacher. But with that point said, I'm going to preach what the Lord led on my heart to preach. We need to be spirit-led. And everything you do, let the spirit lead you. The problem in the church nowadays, we ain't, letting, we ain't being led by the spirit. We trying to decide where the church go. My vision. You don't have a vision here. The under-shepherd, the Lord gave the under-shepherd, the pastor, the vision. And we follow his vision. You know? My direction. It ain't about what direction you see. It's where the Lord see the church going. Let me move on. Let me move on. Okay, let me cover my third point. My third and final point. The cherubims, let's, let's consider the, the operation of the cherubim's work. The operations of the cherubim's work. Now, the cherubim's had a work. And it's um, verse 16. And it says, B, and their appearance, and the, excuse me, and the appearance and their work was as it were a wheel in the middle of a wheel. So uh, the appearance of their work was as a wheel. So the cherubim's had a work. But let me make this first note. Put on your thinking caps. The cherubims could not um, operate within their work unless they first knew how to function together. Amen. You have to learn how to function before you can operate in your work. And I'm about to make that applicable to the church. If we can't function right in here, we cannot be about our work. If, you, if we can't function right in here, we can't be about our work. We need to learn how to function. before We cannot fulfill the great commission out there unless we learn how to function in here. Amen? Now, the operation of their work was as a wheel. The operation of their work was as a wheel. So I like to liken the wheel to the work. You know, it was as a wheel. And let us first know that the cherubims were connected to a wheel. You know, they were joined together. And what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. And I'm here to tell you that the church has been joined with its work. The church cannot be separated from its work. So the church and work are connected. My, my second point is that the cherubims... Um, were designed to operate the wheel. Don't you know that you have been designed for your work? 
The Lord hath designed the work, just as the Lord designed the will for the cherubim and the cherubim for the will, the Lord hath designed you for your work and your work for you. Now, there is a work that only you can do. You know, for, for Scripture says in Ephesians chapter 2, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, that he preordained that we should walk in them. Don't you know that God has work that only your shoes can fit? God, God has work just for you. And let us also consider that the, um, the will was to continually spin. The wills were continually spin. A will continually spin. Continually. And some folks want to know when my work going to be done. God's work is continual. <laughs> Just keep on spinning. <laughs> People say, how long shall I spin? I believe a wise answer is just keep on spinning until the wheels fall off. <laughs> keep on spinning until you can't spin no more. When it's, time, when it's time for you to go, say, I done spent all, I done spend all, the wheel fall off. The wheel done tilted over. It's nothing less for me to do. You want to complete your work. So keep on spinning. So the work was as a wheel. But Ezekiel said, Ezekiel did not just see a wheel. Ezekiel said, for I saw a wheel in the middle of a wheel. You know, Ezekiel saw that there was a wheel on the inside. And church, I'm here to tell you that to be saved, a wheel cannot save you. Because we cannot be saved by works. You must have a wheel in the middle of a wheel. In other words, you must have something on the inside. Because if I've been turning on the, the wheel on the outside, if I don't have that wheel on the inside, I cannot be saved. Oh, you need a wheel in the middle of a wheel. I came to realize while I was working outwardly, there was someone else on the inside working inwardly. I came to realize while I was working out, there was somebody on the inside Working in. Well, someone asked the question, well, who is this wheel in the middle of a wheel? Now, I'm going to get to that, but Moses said, I saw him as a Passover lamb. (laughs) Joshua came along and said, well, I saw him as the commander of the Lord's hosts. The author of Judges came along and said, I saw him as the divine judge. Ruth came along and said, well, I saw him as the kinsman redeemer. Solomon came along and said, well, I saw him as a lily in the valley and the rose of Shem and the fairest of 10,000. Someone else came along, and you know the story. Jeremiah came along and said, I saw him as a bomb of Gilead. Uh, Isaiah came along and said, I saw him as a wonderful counselor, the prince of peace, the everlasting father. And now it's, time for Je- Je- now it's time for Ezekiel to come along and say, well, I saw him as a wheel in the middle of a wheel. Now, I'm here to tell you that this wheel in the middle of a wheel is Jesus. Do you have Jesus on the inside? I'm so glad that I have a wheel in the middle of a wheel. <laughs> What a word. What a word.